radioinfluence.com. All righty. Let me get right to it. How you doing? You doing okay? I'm doing fine. You are tuning in to hear Buccaneers head coach Todd Bowles. So that's what I'm going to get right to it. I got stories on the back end. I always let you know how it all came about and everything. But I sat down. This was early in the morning at a beautiful hotel at the NFL annual meeting. Used to be called the NFL owners meetings in Phoenix, Arizona. And it was early in the morning and we just sat there and we shoot the shit. And so you will find out a little bit more about Todd Bowles. All right. So without further ado, here we go. Second year now as head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had another shot with the New York Jets. Very, very good, as you well know, defensive coordinator. But this is a key year and it's a changing year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization. But he's the man at the helm. So I wanted to give you, maybe just get to know him a little bit more. All you see is what you see on the TV and on the sidelines. Maybe his, his sound bites, as they call it, at press conferences. That's it. That's all you know. Here we go. Without further ado, Bucks head coach, Todd Bowles. All right. I am with Todd Bowles. Todd in his second year now as head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First of all, it's great seeing you. And was there any one thing that might have stood out to you that maybe surprised you? I know you've been a head coach with the Jets. I know you've already been in the building and you knew pretty much, you know, a lot of the people there. But your first year at the helm, was there one thing that maybe was uh, that stood out to you? Well, getting a job when I did, it was kind of a <laughs> surprise. You know, you got it probably this time last year after the owners meetings when I got the job. So that was different in terms of scheduling and what I wanted to do football-wise because the staff was set, the schedule was kind of set, and everything was, I mean, from practice, from a practice standpoint, was kind of set. So that was a little different. But me knowing everyone was fine. It's just as far as getting your feet on the ground and putting your own imprint on it and it kind of took a while and it was supposed to take a while judging on when i got the job now how do you think this year is going to be different for you you had to make some changes with some of your staff obviously there's going to be changes on the roster uh but these will be more your 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 guys now because when you took over you take over what was already there well, I took over a great program. Bruce, Bruce left me a lot of players. You know, the one thing he did was leave me a lot of players, and we see a lot of things the same way. You know, I, I can see some things in cha- terms of the game changing as to what we need to do as opposed to the guys we have left and how to add pieces to help them. So the draft will be important. The free agency will continually be important for us to add players that we see. We had to shred a lot of money this offseason. So I thought Jason did a heck of a job of keeping the guys we needed to keep and letting the guys go that hopefully won't cost us too much damage. We know we got to retool and get some guys every year, but I thought we kept some guys intact and shredded some money at the same time to help us going forward while not just 
tanking the season com completely and having guys that we can work with. So this season will be different because we have new coordinator on the offensive side of the ball. So the scheme will be different from that standpoint. There'll be new learning. Uh, I thought we were injured a little bit too much the last two years and and you can't control that for the most part. But, you know, I think the newness of what we're getting ready to try to do now and the eagerness of the guys coming back and the hunger will drive us going forward. So I look forward to that. You know, I hear a lot of you, a lot of your interviews and, you know, just the perception. It's like, oh, they had to, they were way over the cap. You know, Brady is gone. Oh, oh, and some some people think, oh, they're looking ahead past the next year. And when that's not the case with you in your mind right now, is it, Todd? No, it isn't. I mean, you're never going to replace Tom. When you, when you lose the greatest of all time, you're talking all time, no one is ever going to measure up to that. So there's a persona that you didn't have other pieces. We have other pieces. Now, no question about it, anybody in the world would love to have the greatest quarterback of all time. When he leaves, it doesn't mean that your team is going downhill. It means you play more, not like we didn't play team ball, we played team ball with Tom. And you play team ball without, and there are guys that have to step up, just like the NBA games. When your stars miss certain nights, you have to step up and play. That's why you have a team, you know. And, and I look forward to the excitement of certain guys showing what they can do to help this team win going forward. Now, it, it, Dave Canales, we interviewed him. Energy, really like him. Where he, you know, he, he learned under a lot. He feels this this is his time. But you did really not know him prior to the interview. Is that true? Because that's very unusual. Everybody always knows everybody and brings somebody in that they know. So was that the case? Didn't know him at all. You know, it's, it's we. I interviewed about 12 or 13 guys. It's not about who you know. It's about what kind of football coach you are. For me, it is. And bringing in who you know is not always a good thing. It's, it's, it's comfortable. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in this business and being open and honest with yourself. And we had guys we knew, and it didn't work out. So to bring in more guys we knew that wouldn't have been total football coaches all the way around the way we saw how we wanted to be as a team would have been a detriment. So we went through a steady process, and we interviewed a bunch of guys, and your personality has to fit. Your scheme has to fit with the guys that you have on the team. Uh, you got to have answers to the test all the time. It doesn't mean it's going to work, but you got to have answers. You got to have a system. You got to be able to teach it. And Dave, we hit it off right away. I kind of knew that he was that guy. And I had some great interviews Thomas Brown, Scotty Montgomery, Keenan McCardell, Dan Pitcher, Shea Tierney, uh, Ronald Curry. There was a lot of guys I thought that were going to be great coaches in this league. But for our fit, Canales was the perfect guy, I thought, in the interview process for me. You know, when he, we were talking to him, he was like, he was telling us a little bit about the interview process, and he was like, you would ask, no, he would, you would actually say to him, what would you do? What would you do, at, like, in this situation? And he's like, wow, he's really, he's really giving me the reins, and he's a first-time offensive coordinator. Uh, you feel that confident in him to let him run, run, run the offense? Well, I, I think being a first-time coordinator is overrated because I don't think there's anyone in the history of football that hasn't become a first-time coordinator, whether it's Vince Lombardi or Tom Landry. or You have to call it for the first time at some point in your life. You know, that's, that's, 
calling it is the easy part. It's it's can you put it together? Can you coach the coaches? Can you coach the techniques on what you want to call it? Calling it is probably the easiest part. You need a guy that can coach the coaches as well as coach the players, teach your technique, stand in front and command the room, and then calling it is the easy thing. If you get your coaches working together, delivering your message, and you're teaching the techniques you want to teach, calling the game is the easiest part you got to do. But I was the first-time defensive coordinator at one point. Everyone has been, whether it's Parcells, Tomlin, Reed, everybody at some point. How will you know? You have to take your first NBA shot at some point. I don't care whether you're LeBron, Jordan. You won't know until you take it. So that part doesn't bother me at all. That's football. I just have a couple more. You referenced the NBA a lot. And I think when you even got the call from Bruce, you were at, you were going to go and said, I can't come back, you Charlotte Hornets. You went to the game. You've always been a big NBA fan. That was something, though, remember? I'm a huge NBA fan. Uh, you watch players and coaches. You learn a lot. You know, you learn you learn how to speak to the media. You learn how to not speak to the media. You learn you learn a lot from LeBron and Steph Curry. Believe it or not, two of my favorites to play in the game. But I look at the coaches as well. You learn a lot from Popovich. I'm a big Ty Lue fan. I learn a lot from watching Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, and Mike Tomlin interviews. You know, I, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned this year, and Mike knows nothing about this, before we played Pittsburgh, I think they lost a couple in a row, and they were had some guys hurt, and they were going through a tough time before they beat us. And I looked at his interviews during the week of how to galvanize his team and keep them together, and I thought it was one of the most impressive things that I've ever seen. So... It helped me. He doesn't know this, and I've never told him this, and he wasn't even trying. He, he don't even know we're having this conversation, but I thought he did a heck of a job keeping his team together and going back, playing the ball the way they know how to play ball. And, you know, that helped me as a coach go forward. So you never stop learning in this business, and you don't know where your inspirational help is going to come from. Just two more for me. Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask. I'm assuming there might be another quarterback. In your mind going in, Todd, does anyone have an edge or is it wide open? It's wide open right now. Kyle has every advantage to try and win the job, as so does Baker. So we don't have a third right now, but those two, I'm very confident we can win with either one of them. And Bruce Arians, do you, is he still? Do you still bounce a lot of things off of him? How involved? I know you were funny when you first got your press conference. You're like, we are two totally different guys. I don't drink, I don't smoke, but we're like brothers. I know you're that close. Are, is how's the relationship? Is it still the same? Our relationship is great. Uh, just because we're two different people, don't mean Bruce taught me a lot of my coaching philosophies and a lot of my coaching things that I do today and he's still very close as a mentor to me as well as a big brother or uncle in that regard our relationship is very close I always bounce things off of him and ask things and he's a football coach Uh, he's a human being he's a friend he's a brother and anytime I need something I know he's right there he's a big part of what I've done in my life this is my last one. I ask all are my guests here you've made it to the top in the NFL also in life, as a dad, as a husband, you went back to even to get your degree during while you were coaching. So you've made it to the top. What is the best piece of advice you can give a young person in whatever field they're trying to make it in touch? 
Don't ever feel like you've made it to the top. You keep working. And the minute you feel like you've made it to the top, you'll be on the bottom. That's the best I can tell you. Keep doing everything that you've been doing. Never stop learning. Never stop teaching. Todd, thank you so much. You got it. See, the thing about this business is I, I'm, 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 I'm a guy. There's people that you like. There's people that, that rub you the wrong way. There's people you don't trust. There's a lot of people that I look up to. I like Todd Bowles. I like him. Now, the NFL is a results-oriented business. You win, you keep your job. You lose, you lose your job. And that string, that rope is getting shorter and shorter. It's just like society, our attention spans. We're not willing to wait anymore. And he's got to win. He's got to win. At least be competitive. Have to. You know, and this all went down so fast. I was glad that he kind of covered that in there where he was in, it was Charlotte, right? And he was going to go to an NBA game and Bruce Arian said, hey, where are you? Can you get back here? And he's like, I got courtside seats, man. And I'm not leaving this game. Isn't that something? And then Bruce Arians told him, I'm stepping down. You're the new head coach. And it all went just like that. But again, it is a, it really is a different year this year. So... We're going to find out, but I really appreciate him doing that. And just to give you a little backstory, I traveled out there to the NFL owners meetings at the NFL annual meeting in Phoenix, Arizona. And did it cost me some money? Yeah, but it was worth it. And Joel Glazier was on this Rock Stops Here podcast two weeks ago, sat down with him to find out he delegates with his GM, with his head coach, but as he said, I he asks, they ask questions. The Glaciers ask, ask questions. They're, they're, they're the owners. They write the check. You know, they want to know. Now, in the past, they have gotten rid of a coach, but never after, they've done it as fast as, I believe as fast as two years. It's usually around that three-year mark, but I mean, they, they want to win. And I, I talked to Joel they want to win. They don't look at this as rebuild. They know they're honest. You don't have Brady. You had you were in salary cap hell. You had to comply to get back. You went for broke. They don't have any second thoughts on going for it all the last couple of years. Uh, Jason Light, who's going to be the guest next week on the Rock Stops here. I sat down with him. And no regrets. You had the Super Bowl. Do remember that at Raymond James Stadium? Unbelievable. During COVID and everything and zone, the boat parade, and it was unbelievable. They have no regrets. But now you got to pay the piper. And so they know where they are, but they're not going to be in the tanking mode. That tanking thing. And I'll tell you a little uh, behind the scenes. Ira Kaufman from Joe Buck's Fan also did an exclusive one-on-one uh, -on -one with Joel Glazier. I was listening into that. And he actually asked Joe Glazier, he goes, you know, there's a lot of talk in the NFL about when teams are rebuilding, you kind of, you could tank and maybe go for that high, high quarterback. And, you know, and Joe was like, we're not, there's no, there's no, that ain't happening. 
You know, they want to win. And the NFC South is still up for grabs. Now, listen, every year it's different. It's way different. You cannot go by what happened last year. I remember Brad Johnson a long time ago, quarterback of the Buccaneers. He was the Vikings. He was the Redskins. Came out of FSU. He won the Super Bowl. They had the great defense, but he did a nice job uh, running that offense. And I remember him telling me, you can't even go barely week to week uh, teams in the NFL, they're all that. They're all so ta- highly talented. And Joel Glazier on this Rock Stops Here podcast said, "I said, what did you learn, Joel, over all your years? Now you got a couple of decades as as running the Tampa Bay Bucks, and he's like, how competitive and tough this league is. It's the best of the best. And if you think you're doing everything with your training staff and with your analytics and with all that you're doing, other teams are doing that much and more." And it's the best players in the world. And that's why NFL, not for long. You're not here long. And so, you know, uh, Joel, I mean, now now, the, now I, I, I understand if you're a Buccaneer fan. Listen, they won the NFC South. We all know the deal. They know the deal. That The NFC South sucked last year. The Bucs could not win. And then they would, but they would still be in first place. And they're still being first place. And they ended up winning the NFC South. And then they got clocked. You know, it was, we all know what it was. And Brady, yes, he was on the down, down, downward climb or, you know, opposite. He was going down. He still has a very good arm, strong arm. Uh, but being 45 years old, not wanting to get hit, he's a durable, you know, played every game. Um, you know, and, and in the pocket, the uh, no, flat out. And again, this is not an X's and O's podcast. I like audience from all over, all over the world and all, not just diehard sports fans. So I try not to make it X's and O's, but just very quickly, it was obvious from me, from my perspective, watching up high home games at the press conference, going over the tape on last season. They were slow. It was a slow, methodical offense. There was no rhythm. There was no burners. There was no, it just, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't go down the field enough. And they're just, it was slow. It was slow. They looked old and methodical, man. It just did. It looked like it was a grind. You look at some of these other, then you'd see on a Sunday, you'd see the other games and you see some of these offenses just going down the field, big chunks of yardage, you know, moving, scrambling. So, I mean, they're in a, they're in a tough spot right now. They had to pay the piper. They had a cut salary cap. Um, you know, yeah, next week is the draft, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get some guys, and hopefully one or two, maybe three, will be able to really help and contribute. That would be an unbelievable draft. But let's face it: if you're just banking on your picks to to turn the franchise into a Super Bowl contender, they're rookies. That that doesn't that doesn't happen. You may get one or two that will flash in their rookie year, and that's a big big win win. Um, so, and, 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 you know, Baker Mayfield, he, he's got a decent arm. He's okay in the pocket. He's not very big. He can get out outside the pocket. Trask is a pocket quarterback. So where are you? You got two different really styles. I mean, so uh, yeah, you're going to have more quarterbacks coming in. We'll see. 
but just the feeling and I and I and I went to One Buck Place last week and it was for general manager Jason Light's press conference prior to the draft. He always does that for us. And it's usually questions on the draft. He's not going to give anything away. All of their work is done. There's not, you know, there there there's the movie, what it looks like in the NFL war room. And he's like, it's he liked that movie, but he's like, it's not really like that. There's not a lot of last minute things that come up. Your work is all done from the scouting department to the coaching staff, to the GM, to the front office, to the head coach, the coordinators. Everything is up there on a board, and it depends on how things are going to fall. Maybe you want this guy. This guy's still there. Ooh, we got him. We got to get him. Okay, maybe we'll make a little bit of a deal here. But it's not a lot. It's not as much change and yelling and arguing and, and things like that as you think. All the work is already done. Um, and so I, so I went over there, and again, it's only now we're into May. It's the end of it's the end of April. So it's it's the off season. But it's just I don't know when Brady was there. I know you're probably saying it's one guy. How can one guy affect the team? He's the greatest of all time. It's like having a Michael Jordan on your team. Michael Jordan or LeBron, Tiger Woods in golf. Not now when he has the the screw poking out of his leg after the accident. But, I mean, it's that type of thing. And it makes everybody around you in the building uh, better. You want to do better for the greatest, for the GOAT, you know. And that's that's long gone. Long gone. I really, it's funny, I really don't care. You know, when he was here, I would still be following the tabloids and what's happening here. And, oh, Giselle's there. Is this affecting him here? The kids are here. Where's he going here? This or that. I don't care now. I he's gone. Boom. I wish him well. He was good to us. He was a good teammate. I never heard anybody bitch and moan. Oh my God. I see these things on social media. You know, it's really probably a good thing. I bet you there were some teammates that, you know, saw that he was deteriorating at 45 years old and he wasn't the same. And you know, it really, that's ball bullshit. Everybody like Brady looked up to Brady seven, seven Super Bowl rings, 20 plus years, all the records and still a good teammate, good man. You know, that's what he is. That's what I noticed. That's talking to people that are there in the building with him. Never had anybody say a bad word about him. Seriously. But now he's gone. I don't care. I don't care. And funny, I'll bring this up. So, oh, let me tell you how the Todd Bowles. So anyway, to make a long story short, Todd Bowles was at the owners meetings. They had the big party where they have media, head coaches, general managers, owners, the number one thing this one's more the owners all at a huge big outdoor party it's off the charts it's off the chain it's unbelievable and it's an honor to be there and you see all the head coaches you uh during the day early in the morning is when they have they'll have all the afc coaches on the first day in the morning they're at these big round tables they have their name there and you could just go from table to table. It's very, um, very low key, kind of casual. I like it. 
There's something about just being sitting down where a coach is right across from you and you can just ask questions. I like that. It's different than being up on a podium up high and you're sitting down in the audience and wait for the microphone to be passed. And, and it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's casual. It's good. You got, I think you get a little bit more now it's funny. And then the NFC coaches were the second day and I would go after Todd Bowles. I had already had my one-on-one with him for this rock stops here podcast. So I got out of the way what I wanted to get out of, um, and then listening to all chiming in, maybe for a couple, I know Steve from Joe Buck's fan was uh, there asking quite a few questions and it was good. That's where you get a lot of info on what his plans are for the year. What kind of players, how many QBs, what about the defense? What about a running attack? What about Dave Canales? What about the offensive court? You know, all that kind of stuff. But it was funny because the, the night before I did the interview with Todd here was the big party. And it's great. Everybody goes. Todd Bowles is not a drinker. He's not a smoker. He's not a partier. He likes his food. And he admits that he and Bruce Arians are so different. Oh, my God. Bruce likes to party. We lose, we lose. Bruce Arians. But they're like brothers. Might have different styles. Now, I'll tell you this. There are players that told me that Todd Bowles, stuff that we don't see at practice when it's closed, behind the scenes, he holds players accountable. You just don't see it. I know. I've gotten it. Oh, he looks like Tony Dungy on the sidelines. That was the that was the knock on Tony when he was here. He doesn't care. He's not he's not fiery. You know, the offense sucks. You know, he got it done in Indianapolis. He's on, you know, of course he had Peyton. It helps to have Peyton Manning. No doubt, but he got it done. When I was sitting at that in, in in that stadium for the NFL Combine, I looked up in Indianapolis and I saw Tony Dungy's name on the Ring of Honor. And he's on a Ring of Honor. He's two Ring of Honors. How about that? Hall of Famer. He's, uh, you know, Super Bowl champion. Really something else. I, I, I don't know if I told you this on the podcast. Tony Dungy is such a nice guy. The year after he was fired, Gruden comes in and gets the job. The Bucs win the Super Bowl. For years on talk radio, the question was always, did the Bucs win the Super Bowl with Gruden's team or was it with Dungy's team? You know, and you can get called. If I was doing a radio show right now, I would take that. I would get calls. And... So what happened was I was in local TV. It was called Bay News 9 here in Tampa Bay. I was the sports guy there. I had a half-hour show live at night, every night. And a, a woman that worked at Bay News 9 in news came over to me and said, you know, Tony goes to my church. I see him all the time. Do you want me to ask him if he would do a sit-down interview with you? I see him at church on Sundays. I said, Sure. Tamika, go ahead. So Tamika saw him at church. She came back the next day and she said, here's Tony. Here's Tony's number. He said he would do an interview with you. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. The Bucks fired him. Here he was sitting out. 
And then the Bucks team that he built with Sapp and Brooks and Lynch and all that, they win the Super Bowl with Gruden. And yet he's willing to do a long sit-down interview with me on local TV in Tampa with for me. I wouldn't be. I'd be like, yeah, I don't, I don't want it to talk, man. I wish, you know, I, I was probably hard to watch. It's probably hard to watch that. And I was like, that's unbelievable. Now I remember, and I called him, and I remember him saying to me, he goes, okay, Rock. And I said, what do you want to do? We'll come to your house. He lives in a community, golf, a golf uh, community, very nice community in Tampa. And he said, I'll tell you what, my wife would prefer we don't do it at the house. How about I meet you at the country club? His wife was still mad at Tampa Bay media for how at the end that we we treated him. I thought I always treated him with respect, but I know how it is. A wife is going to stick up for the husband if she feels her husband was, was dissed in any way. So I was like, okay, I got it. He goes, we'll do it at the country club. And I said, okay, thank you, Tony. And I'll never forget this. We drove to this country club in this gated community in Tampa where Tony lives. He was there early waiting for us standing outside the clubhouse on the curb. And I rolled the window down. How are you, Tony? Great. We'll park over here. Park over here. Thank you. He comes walking over. We hit the back door, the, uh, the, the, for where the, the hatchback is. And he starts grabbing to pull the sticks. It's called the tripod. We call them the sticks to for the set the camera on. I'm like, Tony, Tony, you don't have to carry gear. Unbelievable. And then he sat down for a half hour interview with me. I probably ran 20 minutes of it. And I said, how, I mean, how did that make you feel watching the Buccaneers go on and win the Super Bowl over the Raiders? And here you were let go. And he was really good. Now, whether and he's not a he's not a guy that lies. He was like, no, it didn't. No, I was happy for them. I was happy for Derek. I was happy for Warren. I was happy for Brad. I was happy for John Lynch. I was happy for Ronde. I was happy for Simeon. You know, just incredible, man. Way better than I would be. Unbelievable. So, but you know, just because Todd Bowles doesn't show much emotion on the sidelines doesn't mean that he doesn't care. And I'm also going to say this. I like him as a man. I respect him. I really do. I even told him before we started recording. I'll tell you, I said, you did a real nice job with us in the media. I said, man, when you were defensive coordinator, you were coming out, it looked like you didn't want to talk at all because the coordinators only have to talk once a week. The head coaches talk pretty much every day that there's practice open to the media. And I said, you did a very good job. He goes, you know what? I just want to be, I just want, I, I want the media to report fairly. If it, that's their opinion and they're fair, I got no problem. If they disagree with what I'm doing or we're doing or they, that's fine. But just be, I just, just be fair. That's all he asked. So, I mean, I want him to succeed. Now he is, it did not, he did not succeed with the Jets as a head coach. He did not. He has succeeded as a defensive coordinator. And, you know, you could look at it and say the Bucks won the NFC South. So he won the NFC South. He did. But it was not a good year. It was not a good year. It wasn't. So we shall see. And 
I was talking to Steve from Joe Buck's fan. We have been, we were at the NFL annual meeting, the owners meetings in Phoenix together. And we were at the NFL combine in Indy together. And we both came to the conclusion. Todd Bowles seems much more relaxed, happier this off season. We both came to that conclusion. Is it because he now has his people in place? Is it because he's older, he's pushing 60, and he knows that he's just going to try to enjoy every day that he's the head coach because this is it? This is at the end? Does he? Is he confident? Is he more confident than maybe we are about this coming season? I don't know what it is, but he just seems confident. Or just, just uh, I would just say uh, at at ease, at peace. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not here to be Mr. Homer. I'm not here to be, I'm just telling you, as a man, I like him. I respect him. But as a head coach, he hasn't, uh, he has not been successful yet. So, and he's given a plot. It was only one year. He came in quick, even though he knew everybody in the building. It made it a lot easier. The players that were on the roster, he already knew them. He had the last year of the GOAT, which wasn't the GOAT's great year. It was an okay year. But you got to win. I I think I said it on this podcast, but Jeff Darlington is a reporter for ESPN, NFL reporter. I like him. Always have. Everybody at ESPN that I taught, they all like Jeff Darlington because he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And he must have seen me in the lobby of the hotel at 730 in the morning sitting there doing this Rock Stops Here podcast because, I mean, I was focused just on Todd Bowles. I was sitting on a couch. He was on a chair. We were in the lobby and I was all about that. So I didn't I didn't look around. Usually I'm aware of my surroundings. So I. Uh, It was later in the day that day and outside ESPN had a tent set up. Adam Schefter, Dan Graziano, uh, Diana Rossini. There might be another one or two and uh, Jeff Darlington. They would keep, they would jump up on the folding, on the uh, director's chair, do their thing and then off. So I went, I walked by there and Jeff Darlington goes, I said, hey Jeff, hey man. He goes, how is Todd? I was like, oh, he must have seen me interviewing Todd. I said, I said, good. I said, I like them. But I said, damn, these the fans, man, are just really. And he's like, you got to win. Got to win. And I'm like, I gave him the point, the finger, like, boom. You're right. You're right. It's it. NFL fans pay a lot of money for swag, for tickets, for whatever it is, how you watch your games and this and that. You see the you see the uh, YouTube uh, thing is out. I got I got to see. We may have a house, by the way. Woohoo! We've been living at my in laws, but until uh, until it gets finalized, because we got some we have something we're really having to deal with, and my wife is stressed out about it. But then also there's this nice positive thing that it looks like we finally got a house and it's moving along towards closing. But again. Until I have now adopted my wife's uh, worrying about jinxes. 
<laughs> I never worried about jinxing anything before, but now I'm more in that mindset. Let's wait until it closes out. So I got to see if I should get that YouTube instead of the direct TV package. Now the, the NFL, <laughs> maybe I should just do it. Uh, but no, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, anyway, so there you go. So there you go. Um, we got the NFL draft next week. That's going to be awesome. I'll try to make it over. I don't know. Ebor, it's crowded, but it is the uh, the Joe Bucks fan party. Ira. Ira's calling it his party. I thought it was a Joe Bucks fan party at Big Storm Brewing in Ebor, their new location. I was like, you coming to my party? You're coming to my party? Oh, your party. Sage. Is it going to say Sage's party? Big Storm, E-Bar, so I'll make an appearance. Got to, got to from my boys. But anyway, so that's the deal. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, oh, one last thing. When I, when I went to the Jason Light press conference, a lot of the questions obviously were about Devin White wanting the trade. He's their star linebacker. He wants to be paid, and they've only picked up the fifth-year option. But I wanted to know from Jason Light, like, what is, what is your number one priority going into this draft? And here we are this off season. What's your number one priority? What do you need to get better at? What are the two things? And I like it. It was, we got to get faster. Cause I had mentioned young, your thing, younger, faster and more physical. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. More physical, more physical. I like that. Get tougher. Be badass. Swarm to the ball, hit hard. You don't know, be tougher. And be faster. They were slow. I'm telling you, it was slow and plotting. Beautiful. I think that's a great answer. I was just thinking about that. That's that's great. And at least he was honest. So we'll have plenty of time for that. Uh, Football and the NFL draft. That first day, it's always kind of neat. The draft parties. What do you do? Do you just watch it in your house? The first round is kind of neat. I've been at the NFL drafts. It's cool being behind the scenes. I've seen these kids in their new suits looking all sharp and dapper and fly. And they're they're with their moms and dads and uncles and family members and brothers and sisters. And it's generational wealth. They're going to they're going to have their family taken care of. And, you know, they've worked hard. Yes, they're talented. They're, they're mostly, they're so physically gifted, but they've also had to work hard to be a number one draft pick. And it's kind of neat. I like being behind the scenes. I remember specifically in Chicago, the year that Jameis Winston went number one, him and Mariota. Do you remember that year? And they had it in Chicago. I was there. And I also was behind the scenes backstage. It was in an old school building, believe it or not. And then it led into an auditorium. Uh, and I saw all of it. I saw the kids, the number one picks, seeing them behind the scenes with their families. Their families are all decked out. They know they're going to have a lot of money coming into that family. And it's, and usually a lot of these families have come from nothing. They have nothing. A lot of times the mothers have raised the kids without a father. It's cool when the father is also there and the whole family and, or the kids just love their mothers, man. It's, it's really neat. It is a really, really neat experience. So the NFL draft's cool, especially the first day. Some, some watch all, 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 all days. All right, real quickly, I got with the NHL playoffs now have started. So that's good. Hockey playoffs are awesome. Awesome. 
I really like being here in Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you're not a Lightning fan and you're not living in Tampa Bay, then you probably can't stand them because they've been winning so much. Back to back Stanley Cups and then to back to the Stanley Cup final and losing to the Colorado Avalanche. Was it game six, I believe, at Emily? I was there on the ice. But uh, what I thought was neat was the other night, I'm sitting with my father-in-law here at my father-in-law, mother-in-law's house because, again, we sold our house, our stuff's in storage, and we're staying here while we're trying to find a house. And he had the lightning game on. It was the last regular season game, and it was against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, man, they, because they've been struggling. They're older. Let's face it. If you've gone back to back to back at the Stanley Cup Finals, you made it, Stanley Cup Final, and you've won, won it, won it, and then lost it, but you're always there. And now here they are going to the playoffs again, but you're older. Father time is undefeated. And it was really neat to see. They were scoring. Boom, boom, boom. This Braden Point that didn't happen last year. And then when it was done, the players were going over. The The fans didn't leave, and they're on their feet. And the players were going over, and they were shooting. This Nick Paul shooting with these little plastic guns, the 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 T-shirts up into the audience. And players were going over to the ice, and boom, 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 hitting the ice. And the fans were hitting the ice, like almost like fist bumping through the ice and signing pucks and throwing them over and just clapping. And then you see Steven Stamkos, the guy's a first ballot, a Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats, and he's got two rings. Does he have three? No, it wasn't with the 04. But he, uh, you know, you can see it on his face. Like, it's an accomplishment. You, you, you made it through another regular season, and you're going to the playoffs again. Anything can happen. And it was just really cool to see. And the fan support is amazing. They had the Frozen Four. That's the college hockey, you know, like their World Series. And Quinnipiac, it's a small it's a small college in Connecticut. Now I got a I got a letter from them for baseball to recruit me. I was a left-handed pitcher in New Jersey. And I played a terrible prank on someone and and I used the coach's letterhead and I used white out and I, I sent it to this kid that was on JVs. We he always had the wristbands and this and that. My these were my brother's class. And I, I pulled the prank. And you know what? It's all these years later. I'm not happy about it. I'm not. And I hope I hope that one day maybe I'll be able to see him and apologize. But anyway, when I saw Quinnipiac was in this thing, I think Quinnipiac actually won it. Um, I was like, oh, that's that prank that I pulled. But the bottom line is they sold out. I think it was the second highest attendance for the Frozen Four like in history. Again, here we are in hot Florida. It's just amazing. Now the fans like coming down. We're a destination. There's so many things to do here. But I was like, wow. And then we were out to dinner at this Bascom's Chop House. It's like, oh my God, it was so good. My father-in-law loves steaks. He took us all out. Family members, everybody. We had a nice big table. We had uh, my uh, Emily's cousins and her sister and brother-in-law, Andy, who works for the NFL on Park Avenue, my, my, my great brother-in-law. And we all went out to dinner. And the Frozen Four was on. 
on a, on a, on one of the big TVs, and from our table we could see it. And Andy looked over. He goes, "Look at that." I said, "I know." It's at Amley in Tampa. He goes, "I know." Sold out. And he goes, "Look at the skating. These guys are almost on the level of the NHL. They're that talented." I'm like, "Isn't that amazing? Maybe not quite as big, but they're so good, so good, so good, so good." So it's kind of neat to see. But again, chalk one up for Tampa again. Tampa Bay. Uh, setting records and attendance records and the f- and the fans love it. You know, we're very lucky down here. If you come down here now, downtown Tampa used to be a ghost town. It used to close up a uh, shop at eight o'clock, man. And now not the case. There's cool bars and restaurants. There's a river walk. Everything is modern. It's done right. It's green. It's cool. Uh, the owner of the lightning, uh, Jeff Vinnick, Vinnickville water street project. So that's so cool. Downtown St. Pete has exploded. Still has that little city feel on the water, but is getting more and more crowded. But just, oh my God. And, you know, then you've also got the beaches. Clearwater Beach, St. Pete Beach. These are beaches, Indian rocks. We can go down the list. Clearwater Beach, the whitest sand, one of the nicest beaches in the country, in the world. You know, so you got everything. If you come to Tampa Bay, if you want to do the beach... You want to do the swimming? You want to hit the beach bars, restaurants? Boom, you stay over there. You want to get a little feel of the cool modern Tampa or St. Pete? You got that. You got everything. You got Amelie. You have, you know, and then you got the stadium with the big thing. So it's pretty neat to see, but it is neat to see. And the baseball situation. Now, I've been covering the Tampa Bay Rays. They're off to that great start. But you're listening now. I'm sure they've lost. (laughs) but what a start and being around them okay winning helps everything when you're winning it's easy to be happy when you're losing it's not easy to be happy and you shouldn't be happy show me a good loser i'll show you a loser i remember that since i was a kid i understand if you're pissed off but i think the thing about the rays Somebody actually gave me this thought. So I didn't, I I forget who told me, and it makes sense. Over the years covering the Rays, since they've turned the corner with Joe Madden, since they went to the World Series, since they've been a perennial playoff team with the low salary, I've yet to see diva, diva ish behavior from any of the players, thinking that they're all that, that their shit doesn't stink. Now, listen, I have been covering professional sports for a long time, and I have seen Major League Baseball players, pardon my language, pardon my language, I know I have some females listening, could be dicks, could be a dick. I've seen it. I've dealt with it. I'm like, oh, my God. I honestly, in all the years covering the Tampa Bay Rays, I can't think of anyone that was an asshole, and especially since the turnaround. And a guy had a great point. A lot of times you get somebody that's an ass if they're Major League Baseball, if they were really good, they're not quite that good right now, and they've had the fame, they've been in it a long time, They're kind of tired of being asked questions, dealing with a lot of people, stuff like that. The Rays are always so young. Before they get to that 
high, high, high status, they usually trade him away because they can't afford him. So the majority of players on the Rays over these years since they've turned it around are all young. And they don't, they're not acting like ass, you know, like, oh man, you know, who are you? Who are you? Oh yeah, I had so many cases. Listen, I'd be here all day if I started uh, telling you stories of some jagoffs. When I first came up in covering pro sports, oh my God. There used to be a line, this is like 30 years ago when I was a young reporter, there used to be a line by Major League Baseball players when they when they want to turn you down for an interview. If you say, hey man, you got two seconds? And it would be like pregame. And they'd always go, no, I'm working. I would hear that all the time. I'm working. And I think one of the worst ever was Lenny Dykstra. To me. It was spring training. It was in Clearwater, Florida. He was with the Phillies. It was way before batting practice, BP. There was no one else around. And he came walking out. He had his uniform on. He had a big wad of chew in his mouth. It was huge, like a big baseball on a lump on it in his cheek. And he was spinning. He walked out and I said, hey, Lenny. I said, you got just two minutes, man. Three quick questions. And when I say that, I stick to it. I would say a lot of times, you got time for two questions? And I would stay with two. Because I would have to do stories that would call them a package of maybe one minute, 15 seconds. I only need two sound bites from you. Maybe I'll get your manager. That's another sound bite. Video tracking. That's all I need. Is stand up. I'm done. And I would stick with two. And I meant it. And there was no, this is way before batting. Nobody was around. And he goes, he spits near my feet. And he goes, I'm working. No. I said, okay. He proceeded to take off his hat, sit down on the grass right next to me, kind of lean back like he was catching some rays right in front of me. It was basically like, F you. No, I'm working. And it wasn't like, hey, you know, and sometimes I'd say, okay, I got you. Maybe after you're done, maybe one or two. And look, I get it. Baseball is 162 regular season games, a boatload of spring training games. You could talk at reporters, want to talk to you before and after games. It's a lot of times. It's a lot of time. I understand that. I understand that. But to be right in front of me like, no, I, I don't have the time. I'm working right now. I'm going to catch some rays and spit and chew right at your feet, right in front of your ass. It's like, son of a bitch. But I haven't seen that behavior, like, from any rays. Evan Longoria, to me, was, I thought, at first, like, a little bit cocky. But in the end, no. Just confident, California swag, but a good guy. Good guy. I saw him when he first came up. B.J. Upton. Some people thought B.J. Upton didn't hustle. Longoria went after him one time in the dugout. And it was like he ran faster than it looked like he was using exertion. Does that make sense? That's what Flair says all the time. Does that make sense? He, it looks like he wasn't hustling. But he actually was running faster. What a... 
what a good guy. I remember being at the Rose Bowl on the field when Jameis Winston led the Knolls down. They beat Auburn. They won the national championship. And I'm on the field, and it's chaos at the Rose Bowl. Chaos. The confetti's coming down. People are on, running around. There's seller FSU won the national championship. Fans are on the field, this net, this net. And I get a tap on my shoulder. And I look, and it's B.J. Upton with a big grin on his face. And he tapped me on the shoulder. I said, B.J., what are you doing? That's right, you're an FSU fan. He was an FSU fan. He had a, he had a windbreaker on, it's FSU. And just a big old smile. Gave him a bear hug and boom, he was on his way. I was on my way. Uh, Vinny Castilla. I remember when he was here, they were, they were, they were calling him Vinny Cash Stealer because he had a big contract he wasn't producing. Nice guy. Aki Iwamura, do a translator. One of the nicest guys you ever want to meet. So it's just interesting to see, and this young group that they have, it's because they're young. You know, they don't have the big, 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 big contracts. Uh, it's just neat to see. It's neat to be around. It kind of feeds off. There's no me, 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 me. And there really is. There's no I in team. Then that is true. No matter what, where, where you are in your job, if you got a jag off, it's all about himself, all about himself. I'm low. Try to get rid of that person, you know? And it's, it's neat to be around these rays because they give up themselves, their stats. Yeah, and it's rare. It's rare. I remember I had a major league player, baseball player tell me years ago, he said, Bunt? I ain't going to bunt. Bunt. Bunt isn't going to give me money. Bunt's not going to help my salary, you know? Just the other night. I think it was Manuel Margot. It was one of their guys that can hit for power, and he laid down a bunt. He faked everybody out. Like the Rams, they're doing those type of things. That's how you win. And again, love the pitch clock. Love the faster games. Loved a little bit more scoring. Love not having the ship. Love it. Major League Baseball, good job. You have renewed my interest in Major League Baseball, and you have brought more fans in this year. Great job. What took you so long? Great job. So all in all, all is well. Things are good. I'm in a good mood. Moving and grooving. Life is good. I hope life's going to be good for you. And you got to make the best of it. There's going to be down times. There's going to be time times when, when, life's, when it sucks, when you can't sleep. My wife right now is stressed about something. Not used to it. Tossing and turning, get this done, get this done. Things don't move that fast. Puts a little bit more pressure on me. Uh, it's life, you know? Especially if anything. Well, anyway, I hope you're doing good. Make the best of what you got. Make the best of what you got. And try to enjoy life. Try to enjoy it. Some people don't know how to enjoy it. Enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. All right, what's your happy place? Go there. Make time for yourself. You deserve it. All right, listen, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're not already subscribed, hit the subscribe button and it will come every Tuesday. Thank you, Todd Bowles, for doing that. You didn't have to do that for me. Next week, we got the NFL draft. I'm going to bring you the Bucks general manager, Jason Light, and then I get back to more national. It's not just Tampa Bay, but I got it. I was sitting on it. I want to thank Eric Burns last week. 
the former Major League Baseball outfielder who's just a renaissance man. That's what I call him. All right? So listen, thanks. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for listening this long. I appreciate it. Let's have a good week, right? Let's do it. Let's have a good week. We'll report back. Report back from duty next Tuesday. Tuesday.